Hello, everyone. You're listening to the Lucky Star Show and Tell podcast, and I'm your host, Lisa Field, owner and director of Lucky Star Art Camp, a women's art and whole living sleepaway camp held annually on the banks of the Guadalupe River in Hunt, Texas. On today's episode, I'll be talking to the very talented Shauna Martin. Shauna is an artist, wife, and mother of two teens coming to you from Austin, Texas. As a longtime artist and Lucky Star camper, she got her teaching start at Lucky Star nine years ago. Then she went on to start a professional career in teaching art to elementary and now middle school students in Lake Travis ISD. A perfect fit for her since she loves to experiment in new techniques and work with a variety of materials. When she's not teaching or making art, she's cooking, coaching, driving kids to volleyball, practicing yoga, traveling, or spending time in nature. Welcome to the podcast, Shauna Martin. We are supported by Girl Guitar. Girl Guitar is a female-owned and operated Austin-based business offering private and group music classes for women and teenage girls. Voted Austin's Best Music Instruction by the Austin Chronicle Readers Poll, this is not your typical music class. There are performance opportunities, bands forming, songwriting workshops, and even yoga retreats. And you don't even have to live in Austin to participate because they offer in-person and online classes as well. Right now, Girl Guitar is offering $25 off a group class with code LuckyStarPodcastRules. For more information on Girl Guitar, visit www.girlguitaraustin.com. That's www.girlguitaraustin.com. Check them out. Hello, Shauna. How are you? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on the podcast, Lisa. I'm so happy you're here. This whole podcast thing is new and it has been really exciting and a major learning curve for me and Sean, but I think it's really adding to the camper experience to get to know the instructors in um, just a little bit more detail, you know, get to know them and learn about their classes in this way. So I want to start from the very beginning and I want to hear from you where you grew up. What was your childhood like? Were you a creative kid? What kinds of things did you like to do for fun? Oh, man. So um, I grew up in Texas mostly. I was born in Arizona, but I consider myself a Texan. Um, I went to school and finished high school in Fort Worth. And I currently live in Austin with my husband and two kids. Um, His parents are in San Antonio, so we chose a nice little halfway point to settle down. And we've been here about 10 years now. Um, as a kid, I was just really energetic and my mom put me in gymnastics so I could learn to be energetic in a safe way. Hmm. <laughs> oh. And, um, you know, I, I made things too, mostly out of necessity back then. Um, but I did not get to take my first art class until middle school because oh, we wow. didn't have art when, um, when I was a kid in elementary school, I remember enjoying crafts at, at church camp, like at VBS. Oh, <laughs> I always yeah. wanted to learn to make things. So, um, yeah, I, I took art in middle school and I learned how to draw a box. I remember that very vividly, like learning how to draw a three-dimensional shape <laughs> or a form 
and just feeling like this is amazing. It's like a superpower. <laughs> and, and I, and I took art every single year in high school too, just because it's like a nice flow activity, you know, just to, um, get, uh, into a space where you're not paying attention to time and you're just focused on what you're doing. That's kind of what has always appealed to me about the, the creativity, the art making. Yeah, I I remember those Bible school crafts also. And but I had what's wrong with those Fort Worth schools that they didn't have art in school? That's so weird. You know, I mean, I I'm actually an art teacher now. Maybe that's why I did it because I didn't have an art education and I feel like I could have been I could have been famous if only. Right. <laughs> um but you know what I learned in my art education that uh, it didn't become required by the state until 2002 when the okay. internet started to take off. They decided all kids need to be educated in the, in the visual arts because you now we're entering a media rich world. We need to train young people to make images. Now it's important. So How interesting. now everyone gets art. Not when I was a kid. <laughs> well, thank God for that. <laughs> so, all right. So you said earlier, um, when we were just talking before that both of your parents worked and like my parents also worked and it, it does kind of make you have to be a little bit more imaginative and you're, cause you have, you know, that time where you're home alone coming up with your own fun. Right. So what were some of the yeah. things that you did besides gymnastics and, and, crafts when you were a kid? Um, let's see. So I lived in South Fort Worth. Um, it was like basically a big cow pasture with one of those neighborhoods where they just put in a bunch of houses that look the same and there's a bunch of baby trees. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, now I go back there and it's, the trees are all tall and it looks like an old established neighborhood. But when I lived there, when I was in third grade, we moved in, um, all the houses were still being built. We used to go explore the construction site. So that was, that was number one right there. Um, and then there was a field. And so we used to run out, uh, there was a Creek through the field. So we would go out there and look for snakes and fantasize about the tree house. We were going to build next to the Creek, things like that. And then when I got older, I mostly played basketball and went rollerblading with, uh, the boys in the neighborhood because I was I was not much into dolls and imagination play like all the girls liked I was more of like an activities person and uh, I still am I like to uh, I like to be active I can't sit still for too long <laughs> that's so funny I have that in common with you except that I liked to play with dolls Barbies, Cabbage Patch Kids, all of that stuff. I had my mom's old Barbies when I was little, um, yeah, plus some new that ones is too. Really cool. Yeah, so it, she had this like suitcase that still had her Barbies and all of the Barbie clothes in there. So I had that suitcase forever, but I also had all boy cousins around me until my little um, girl cousin was born way later, and so between the boy cousins and the neighbors, I was always either riding horses, riding bikes, camping out, you know, I was definitely a tomboy, but I've always had like that two sided like thing where 
I did love playing house and dress up and that sort of thing too. So it's very, um, what would you call it? Ambidextrous brain, which is still how I would uh, describe myself. Yeah. A <laughs> little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. Jack of all the trades. That's right. You're kind of like that too, like I was saying. Okay. So yeah, especially in your, in your artwork. So when we first met... You guys were living here in Hunt, where I live, and your girls were going to the same elementary school with my kids, and you had started painting portraits, and they were amazing. And I remember just you and I would get together to paint some days, and I was always mesmerized by your portraits. Um, Are you still painting portraits? Um, well, it's funny that you should ask. I've been teaching elementary art for the past three years and it's been a rough ride through the pandemic, lots of overtime. Um, and I haven't had time to engage in my own art practice since I started that job three years ago. And I just took a new position at our middle school where I'll be teaching part-time. I have three classes in the morning, so I'm planning to start painting and, or I don't know actually exactly which art media I'm going to stick with, but I I want to create a body of work and have a show. This is a goal I'm setting out for myself right now. But that, that said, one of the things you have to teach in sixth grade in middle school is, is portraits. I'm going to be teaching that to, to the kids. And I'm excited to start doing some higher level stuff. Like elementary was fun, but I'm I'm ready to get back to the more advanced, <laughs> oh, yeah. um, challenging uh, ways of making art. But I got into, I don't know if you know this, um, I got into portraits because, okay, back up. My first visit to an art museum was when I was 17 with my grandmother, mm-hmm. and it was the Kimball Art Museum in Fort Worth. Oh, yeah. And the exhibit at the time was Monet and the Mediterranean. So it was impressionists and it was paintings. And I'd never seen a oil painting in person before. And I remember just looking at them up close and trying to figure out like, how did they make this image appear with all those colors? And how does it work? I wanted to figure out how it worked so I could do it. And um, when I went to college, I took some painting classes so that I could learn how to paint. Cause we didn't actually do much of that when I was in high school, my high school art teacher taught us a bunch of different art medias. Like we did printmaking and jewelry making and clay and all this stuff. So we, we touched on painting, but we didn't go very in depth. Um, after college, I got a job at an orthodontic office and this guy I was working for was, um, doing a lot of jaw surgeries on people like to make their bite fit. And he would have me, he would have me measure people's faces, like the attractive people (laughs) that came in, people that were objectively attractive. He would have me measure the ratios of their eyes and their nose and their lips. And I, I spent like three or four years working on this research project with him, like measuring faces and also I worked on braces every day. So I, I just got a lot of up close view of the face. And that's when I learned that, um, or I I guess that's just when it sank in for me. Like I was able to see the human face in all its dimensions. And so then when my kids were born, I wanted to paint their portraits and I just started doing that. And it was a 
self-teaching kind of learning process, like learning to render values and try to make it look realistic. I've gotten a lot better at, at the technical aspects, but um, it's weird how learning to make art that looks realistic just takes a lot of time and repetition for the ability to see, to like sink into your head. Yeah. Your perception. That's you know? so interesting. I remember get when I got my braces, you know, they, they obviously did a bunch of measurements. I had some jaw issues that they had to work out mm-hmm. and there was, there was a lot of math involved and a lot of things that I would have never even thought of. Um, it's funny that you mentioned dentistry because I had that written down because in my memory, I don't even know if I'm making this up or not, but was your, is your dad, was he a dentist? My dad's and did an orthodontist. Did he want you to go yeah. to an orthodontist and he, he was thinking you were he going didn't. to do that? No, it wasn't that he wanted me to. It was that I didn't know what the heck I wanted to do. And I wanted to learn about art. So I studied art in college. And when I graduated, I uh, I didn't know what kind of job to get with my art major. So I started working at an orthodontic office because I was newly married and we just, you know, I just needed a job. Um, and that was when I decided, oh, this is kind of artistic. I should go to dental school. So I, I almost went to dental school. Um, but then okay, that's I what just, I remembered. Yeah, I, I did go back and take a lot of science classes and apply at all the Texas dental schools. I was I was living in California after college because that's where I went to college. I didn't really have a lot of guidance and direction, Lisa. I did not. <laughs> I just was like, I want to go to California. I want to learn to paint. Like, I don't know. <sighs> yeah, you went to Pepperdine, yes. right? I did. Yeah, well, I was raised very religious. I always knew I was going to go to a Christian school. And Pepperdine gave me a scholarship for all my Christian activities that I did in high school. Okay. So, yeah, so I got to go there. That was really amazing. But, you know, it's not an art school. I I took a lot of art classes, but I did not graduate, like, prepared to be a competitive candidate in any art field. Um, so yeah, I started working at the orthodontic office while I was doing my science classes at night. And, um, the reason he had me doing all this research is because, you know, when you move someone's jaw surgically to try to make their teeth fit and, and chew properly, it changes their profile. It changes the way they look. Uh, So you have to make sure that not only are you making their teeth fit, but that they're going to look, um, you know, proportionate. Yeah, like they, you do look different after jaw surgery, but you don't want to look so dramatically different. You don't want to look different in an awkward way. So he was very interested in trying to figure out, like, of all the, the people that we think are pretty, like, what are their ratios? Let's try to get that, you know, get you as close to that as possible yeah. when we're moving your teeth. It's he was a really very conscientious a- orthodontist. <laughs> Yeah, well, uh, he had some very high-profile clients. <laughs> so was this, you know this how, was in California? This was in Pacific Palisades. I've had uh-huh. my hands in some very famous mouths. Wow. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I was, was going to ask you, what was the California experience like being a Texas girl? What was it like living there? Oh, I was so young when I went there. I was 18, and all I had known was South Fort Worth, Texas. So... I went to a high school where 
you know, most we had a rodeo team and yeah. There was some of us whose parents were college graduates, but a lot of like blue collar um I was the rich kid at my high school. Well, let's just say I was not the rich kid at Pepperdine. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, talk about Barbies. I went to school with all the Malibu Barbies. That it was a little bit of a culture shock going to to Pepperdine from Crowley, Texas. I got to say, but um, I'm so glad I did it. They have uh, an amazing international program, so I got to go live abroad in Germany for a year. And yeah, cool. one summer, I went to Florence, Italy, for their art program there. And of course, I met my husband there at church, which is the whole reason you go to a Christian school. So my plan worked out. <laughs> <laughs> and Sorry, okay, so how question. how long did you guys live there before you moved back to Texas? We got married after I graduated, and we stayed there about four years. And uh, we moved back to Texas so okay. I could go to dental school was the plan. Then, uh, you know, because Blake is – my husband, Blake, is also a creative, and he wanted to be an artist, too. He was out there trying to sell screenplays and working in film production. That's right. And I think we were sort of locking horns about who was going to have the real job. Well – Cause I wanted one of us to have a real job. Like I wanted yeah. kids and a house and all that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why I decided to go to dental school because he was just like trying to make it in film and that takes a while, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> but then he got tired of it and he said, well, let's just go back to Texas and uh, we can at least forward a house there. And we went back to Texas and he got a good job. And then I got pregnant and decided that, it was a little bit much to try to go to dental school while also raising a baby. So I ended up staying home for a couple of years and that's when I got back into painting and started like self-teaching and finishing my art education. That's so, that's such a great story. So, okay. When, I don't know if you remember, we had become like mom friends at school. Okay, mm -hmm. because our kids went to the same school. And I invited you to come to coffee at Starbucks. And that's when I first told you I was I was still trying to figure out Lucky Star and like making all the plans for it and stuff. And that's when I first told you about it. Do you remember that that day? I do. I do remember it very clearly. And I had actually been told about you by a friend in Fort Worth that I had when I told her I was moving down to hunt for a year. She said, you should meet Lisa Fields. It was Tamara vogel -Gassane. Oh, yeah. She was a neighbor. Her. She lived in oh, our yeah. neighborhood. I totally yeah, forgot she, about that connection that we had. Yeah. And then you, I think, were doing the booster club at the school. Yeah. So I also yeah. got to know you there. But I just thought, well, I was used to being a young mom and having a hard time getting together with other moms because you know how it is when your kids are little, like someone gets sick or someone misses nap time and people are always canceling plans. Mm -hmm. And I remember feeling like flabbergasted that you made a coffee date with me and that we actually kept it and you didn't even know me. I was like, <laughs> she wants to go to coffee with me. This is great. Cause it's kind of hard to meet people out in the country there when you first move there. So oh, yeah. That was that was a great moment for many reasons. Yeah, that 
That was okay. So I I was living in Fort Worth when I first started having babies, and I remember that feeling of like I just want friends. Like, when are the friends going to come? You know. And Roger, my husband, would just be like, "As soon as the kids go to school, you'll start meeting other parents." And I'm like, "That's like five, four." Four years away, at least, you know, it's I can't like wait that long. It is like purgatory. Oh. And I was used to, I mean, I had great girlfriends in high school and in college. And I, I needed that social thing so badly. So when we did, I mean, that's actually, I literally stalked Tamara out my front window. I would watch her pushing her baby stroller past my mailbox every day at a certain <laughs> time. And I was like, Ooh, I'm going to go get the mail right at the time when she, you know, just casually walk out and check the mail. And, oh, hi. And that's exactly what I did. And she and I became friends and we ended up doing this Bible study together. And, um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's a hard, it's a hard thing. So you and I met once we had already moved down here. And I think Harrison was probably, I don't know, first or second grade, probably. I'm, I'm, I can't remember. But there, there was the time when I first moved here where I was thinking the same thing. Like, man, I've got to really be, I've got to be proactive in this friend making thing. And joining Booster Club was like the best thing I could have ever done because it really does throw you into a group situation and you know, you're, you're with these people and you're making plans and doing these projects and stuff. So that, that was awesome. But then, um, remember when I started that Bunko group and we started playing Bunko and that I was, love Bunko. I was the so best thing thrilled. ever. That was, was so like when you invited me to Bunko, the best community making magic that you can do. Like, it's just easy. You know, I sent out, I sat down with someone who lived here and knew everybody and we made a list and I didn't know all of the ins and outs and who didn't like who and who was, you know, who were friends and who wasn't. And I just invited them all and they were all forced together. And I've had people tell me since then that like, that was the best thing that we could have ever done because we just had, you know, we had gotten in this groove and it shook everybody up and got everybody together and that, I mean, that lasted for a couple of years. It was really, it was really a cool thing. So if there's anybody out there listening and you're in that, that season of life where you're like trying to figure out how to make friends and you're in a new place, just find somebody who knows people, make a list and invite people over to play Bunko. <laughs> yes. Bunko is a great mixer and it is fun. It I've is been fun. wanting to start a Bunko group actually for a while now. And I'm so glad you just mentioned that because that's what I'm going to do. Now yeah. I've been wanting to get job, this one going Bunko. again. I'm going to do, do it. it. <laughs> so now that you're teaching. Okay. So going back to Lucky Star in the beginning, um, I remember you sending me a message on Instagram, you shared, there was a weaver, I think in New York state that 
was really awesome. And I was like, oh yeah, she's awesome. And you're like, Lisa, you should invite her to come and teach. And I think I did reach out to her and she was, I don't even know if she answered me. Um, So I remember telling you, hey, Shauna, if you want to learn how to weave, why don't you learn how to weave and then teach that class at Lucky Star? And your wheels, I could see your wheels start turning. You were like, hmm. And then all of a sudden you came back to me with, okay, I'm going to do that. And you did. And you taught, what was it? What did you call it? Dream, dream weaving, I think. Dream weavers. Dream weavers. Yes. That was such a great class. Such a great class. I still have those looms. When was that? Like 2015. And I just taught a class last month with, uh, with kids and they were using those looms and weaving on them. Still, still in use. That was a great class. And you you were every bit as good as that original artist that we found. And, and it's Marianne Moody. That's oh, right. She, she, she has taken off since then. Yeah. She's Australian. I didn't know it at the time. She was just, you know, in Brooklyn back when Brooklyn was like gentrifying and okay. all the maker movement was emerging. And she's like, she's published like three books now. Oh, wow. So I feel kind of flattered that you're comparing my abilities to hers, oh, but thank you. <laughs> I have two of your weavings in my house that I cherish. They are some of my most prized possessions. Roger bought me one for my birthday, I believe, or Christmas one year. And then I bought one from you at the show and tell market at Lucky Star. That's right. What are you teaching this year, Shauna? Oh, I am teaching something I haven't taught before at Lucky Star, and it's going to be called Mosaic Magic. And this idea was born um, earlier this spring. The principal at the elementary school I work at asked me to make some signs for a new outdoor classroom, and I wanted the kids to make the signs, so I was trying to think of something that kids could make that was also... Uh, structurally sound for outdoor use. Mm-hmm. And I had the kids make basically ceramic tiles and we cut letters and, you know, we fired the clay in the kiln and then I mosaic the signs and I did a little class after school and I got, you know, the crush, the glass and the, all the different odds and ends you can use for mosaics. And I had the kids making mosaics and they were these are like, let's see, 10, 11, 12 year olds. One of them was nine and they made really beautiful mosaics. So it's, it's a really approachable kind of art form. Um, and it's not as hard as you would think. So I decided this is awesome. I want to do more of these. I started looking online and, uh, if you Google the term contemporary mosaics, you will find so many artists, um, making mosaics, not just with cut glass, but with buttons and old toys and old pins and medals from your former gymnastics career. I don't know. Anything that's flat can be stuck on mortar and become part of an image. And um, there's a lot of creative possibilities. So I've been collecting some bits, some odds and ends, and I'm hoping the students that come and sign up for Mosaic Magic will bring some fun little bits and we can all put them together, make some pretty designs. Oh, I think that's going to be a fun class. 
Uh, you know, we're you all can, collectors uh, here yeah. at Lucky Star. <laughs> so yeah, I actually, in my collection, have some little bits and bobs from the, the goodie bags at the end of camp, oh, you know, yeah. that I've saved over the years, like a little Frida Kahlo picture that's on enamel or something and just like random things. Um, you can mosaic on anything. And I thought about doing like a pot or something for the garden, but I think uh, for the first class, we'll just keep it like a flat sort of wall hanging picture because, you know, sculpt taking it to the next level to 3D is maybe a, a level two class. So maybe we'll do that next year. Right. So we're doing beginner level mosaics this year. Very cool. I, I love this idea. And you, you're smart to do something that is an approachable project based class that can give someone something to walk away with, you know, that's, that's always fun. And I think be- that people enjoy that at camp, you know, coming home yeah. with something. Yeah. It's always fun at show and tell too on, on the Saturday night to get to see people's projects. So isn't there an extra that goes along with your class this year? Yeah. One of the challenges with, um, ceramics and mosaics in general is, is, is difficult to get the entire project done during the half day class time. Um, so with mosaics, you have to uh, adhere the little pieces to the mortar, or that's like the glue that you use. And then 24 hours later, after that's set, you just fill in the cracks with grout. That's a process that's kind of like icing your cake after it's cooled, you know? So that extra will be the grouting process and um, shouldn't take too long, but it is a necessary part of the project to make sure you don't have any sharp edges of glass sticking up on your finished piece. Right, right. So this is going to be a lucky star first where we have a mandatory extra that goes along with one of our three-hour classes. And I think that's going to work out just – I think it's going to be great. And that way you can walk away with a finished piece that you can show off at show and tell and at home. So I'm really excited to see what everyone comes up with. Me too. Me too. So what other things I, you taught a ceramics class that I adored last year. It was one of my all time favorite lucky star classes. And I think there are lots of people that felt the same way. Um, we just had so much fun in your ceramics class. Have you done any more ceramics, like in whether it's at school or at home on your own? Oh, yes. I'm always doing clay. Always, always. Every year. Um, that's that's my students' favorite media. I think I use it as a reward in my classroom. Oh. Um, when they earn their gold stars for behavior, then they can choose uh, – a couple different rewards, but the big one is clay and they almost always choose it like a free clay project where I give them a ball of clay and they can make whatever they want. Um, but it's such an undertaking. Did you know I have 850 art students? What? That's, crazy. That's how many students I have. K through Holy fifth. Cow. So um, I do a lot of clay. A lot. A lot. <laughs> a lot. And I, I invent my own little clay projects. They're all kind of you know, like we did little bobbleheads and oh, pinch pots and like two-dimensional sculptures and three-dimensional sculptures, relief, all different kinds of stuff. Um, I have a pottery wheel that I bought. So when I went 
when I decided to start teaching art, that was like the one media that I didn't have any experience in was clay. So I took some classes at Laguna Gloria here in Austin, which has an amazing ceramic studio. If you live in Austin, like you have to go take some art classes at Laguna Gloria. It's, it's awesome. Um, and I got very into clay for like two years as I was learning ceramics. Cause now as a teacher, I have to operate the kiln and fire it all. So I had to, I had to learn all that. Um, and this was before I got my job. I bought a pottery wheel with the intention to like have an Etsy shop and sell my pottery because I was so into yeah. it. Um, and then when I started teaching, it was just such a big learning curve that I didn't have a lot of extra time to do that. So I, I haven't done it yet, but it's on the table of possibilities. <laughs> um, one thing that I would like to do this year is make some flat clay pieces that can be incorporated into the mosaic work. And that's, um, Ooh, yeah. that's something I did with my students. Like we cut, like you would cut sugar cookies out of dough that's yeah, rolled like out flat, you know? Cutters. Yeah. And then impress different textures into it. We made a bunch of animals that are going in our mosaics. So you have like your flat tile. That's like a hummingbird shape, right? Like it's a hummingbird tile mm-hmm. that's glazed and painted. And then you can put the mosaic glass around it. Oh Yeah. Very cool. I love that. I I love mixing together different kinds of art media, just experimenting. What is your favorite camp memory? Oh, my gosh. It's going to be, oh, can I give like eight, one from every year? Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Oh, man. All right. I think... Maybe my top memory is the time that we took an Irish dancing class together. Do you remember Irish dance, Lisa? Yeah. I think this was year three of Lucky Star, or was it year two? It would have been probably the first year that Sean taught it. So, yeah, probably year three. We were very hot after those hopping for like an hour. I didn't know where you were going with this, but now I do. (laughs) We got very sweaty in Irish dancing practice. Yes. <laughs> and so we ran out and jumped in the river. In, in November. Clothes, in November. <laughs> that that was a really good memory. We were just so high on life. I, You know, the endorphin rush from all that Irish dancing. That was so fun. It was and we, so fun. I loved that. And then another great memory I have is the year that we had a ceramics teacher who brought a Raku kiln. It was yes. the last night of class, and he was firing everyone's pottery in this raku kiln, and it was very late at night because there were so many pots to fire. And the, the moon was full, and we made like a sh- – I, I don't know if I want to share this story. I might scare <laughs> off some people that aren't weird. <laughs> <laughs> but you might draw in more weirdos, and we would love that. <laughs> we just – we were kind of being silly. Okay, maybe we'd had a little wine at the campfire, but um, <laughs> we were howling at the full moon, and we we decided we were the she wolf pack or something like that. But I just remember like staying up really late and firing pottery and howling at the moon. <laughs> I love that. Oh, I love it. That yeah, was great. Roe Ro was a great addition to camp. He and his didgeridoo. Did you hear him? Did you get to hear him play that? No. Yeah. Did he, he do had, that at camp? Yes. He maybe it was the second year that Doesn't he came. One me. of the he came two years to teach ceramics. Yeah. 
And one of the years he brought his didgeridoo and that was really fun to get to hear him play that. That was very cool. I missed that one. Yeah, I well, think I think Glee Club is always one of the highlight. high points of camp for me. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. You and I were made for Glee Club. <laughs> I love Glee it. Club. You know, we didn't have Glee Club at my school. We just had choir. Glee Club is way more fun. Right. <laughs> it's so fun. Yeah. Yeah. So where can our listeners find you? I know that I don't think you have an Etsy store anymore. Do you? I think my Etsy store is still on there, but you know, there's nothing really in it. Cause I, I haven't been making that kind of art lately. Right. Um, so I still have an Instagram feed that has a visual chronicle of my past, you know, three or four years as an artist. And yeah. that's um, Shauna R. Martin. And I, that is one of my goals for this year, actually. And I'm, I'm really enjoying being on this podcast and doing your uh, marketing campaign for Lucky Star because it's teaching me about how I can self-market. That's the one part of being an artist that I'm a little bit uncomfortable with, like the self-promotion part. Um. So yeah, two goals for me this year. I want to create a cohesive body of work and I want to market it. And so you may start seeing me using social media this year for the first time in a while. (laughs) Now that I finally have some space in my life. (laughs) You Uh, did a show not too long ago somewhere and I loved the artwork that you did for it. Do you know what I'm talking about? I do. Okay. Can I talk a little bit about that show? Please do. Cause it was, it was so, so cool. cool. Um, when I was living in Fort Worth, I took an improv class just for fun at mm-hmm. the, uh, what was it called? Four day weekend. Did you ever go to an improv show there in downtown no. Fort Worth? No. Well, I went to an improv class and that was a lot of fun. I met all different kinds of people. I think Blake got me that for a gift, like back when my kids were little and I didn't have any friends and I was trying to meet people and I I met people at improv. And anyway, eight years later, a guy from my improv class got, found me on Facebook and he was doing a show called truth in comedy that he created. And the idea was that he would get three people to tell a personal story of theirs. And then he would have three comedians interpret their story or sort of try to catch the emotion behind their story and do a stand-up routine. Yeah. And then a visual artist would do a piece to represent something from their story. And then the last culminating, like it was kind of a performance art show really. So the night at the spider house ballroom in Austin, which is where it was. I've never, by the way, as a visual artist been asked to make art for a nightclub environment. Like, yeah, that's weird and different. So I incorporated light and glow in the dark paint into my art. Cause I was like, it's going to be dark in there. I've got to do right. something nightclubby. Um, but anyway, that night, the, the three individuals who were the storytellers got up on stage and each one, one at a time told their story and then the comedian would go after them and do the stand-up routine on the same theme as their story. And while they were talking, my art was up there. And then the last part was me going up and talking about how my art uh, interprets the storyteller's 
story. And it was really cool because the title of the show, Truth and Comedy, um, you know, the best comedy touches on universal truths that everybody can understand. That's why it's funny. But um, hearing some of their stories were actually kind of serious. Like one was about death and one was about addiction. And so it's like they told their story and then the comedians touched on their truth. And then my art kind of touched on my truth. And it was kind of like this whole performance art piece where you recognize that all truth has different perspectives involved, you know, and anytime you use the word truth, you have to realize it's like, it's like a disco ball and each little mirror is a different facet of it, you know, pieces are on my Instagram. So that's, that's you can see them if you, if you go down there. (laughs) All right, Shauna, the last thing I always ask every podcast guest is, you know how, I mean, you know how much I love the whole show and tell concept. So if you had something to show and tell about right now, what would that be? And it could be anything. Obviously you can't show us because we're on a podcast, but do you have some cool new something or something that you love that you want to share about? Oh, like your book recommendations that you had, like a new awesome thing. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. My show and tell, since we're on a podcast, I'm going to share a podcast that I've been listening to lately. Oh, cool. (laughs) I love podcasts. It's it's a great podcast, you guys. It's really great. Um, It's called American History Tellers. And if you like history at all, or if you don't like history at all, you will probably like this podcast. It's pretty cool. Um, the first episode was back in 2017, and the topic was the Cold War and ideology. And this sounds so nerdy, but listening to it really helped me to understand what's going on in our culture right now with um, the, the warring ideologies and the disinformation campaigns and in the court of public opinion, like I've just been feeling really overwhelmed for the past several years and trying to figure out like how much of my energy should I spend being an activist or thinking about things or getting involved in things. And Mm -hmm. it's just easy sometimes to feel like things are, are bad, but this podcast touched touches on so many different major events in American history. And you realize like, things have been bad and much, much worse in the past. Oh yeah. And, and here's how they came out of it. And it's just weird how history repeats itself. And I found it kind of comforting and it helps me to think through. Kind of puts things in perspective. What's going on in our culture right now. So yeah. American history tellers. That's my show and tell. Oh, cool. I like that. Thanks for that. Okay. I'm going to ask you one more time. How, what was your Instagram it's at Shauna R. Martin. There's an okay. R in the middle for my initial. Okay, awesome. Well, thank you, Shauna, so much for being here. This has been such a great conversation. It just reminds me how much I miss having you in my life and in my world right here. Oh, I was thinking when you were talking about Bunko that I should just move back to Hunt. Like, Yes, yeah. Now <laughs> we're going to go back when the kids graduate. That's the plan. But I, I just find myself fantasizing about going sooner. <laughs> oh, that would be so awesome. 
I'll come oh. visit you in Austin sometime soon too. Yes, please do. I would love that. All right. Well, I am so excited for your class coming up. It's a, this new class is going to be great. Everybody's going to be really excited about it. And I'm, I'm super stoked to have you teaching and in our 10th anniversary year, it's hard to believe that it's been over 10 years since we were sitting there in that coffee shop that day talking about tiny baby lucky star. Yeah. <laughs> well, you we know are. what, girl, you have always been the kind to make things happen. So <laughs> it's been a really awesome journey, like watching your dream come true. Well, it's been so good to have you by my side through the whole thing. So thank you. And I'll see you soon, I hope. All right. See you next, whenever. <laughs> see you. <laughs> Bye, Lisa. Bye, Shauna. Lucky Star is a women's art and whole living sleepaway camp that takes place each fall in the Texas Hill Country. For dates and more information about our upcoming camps, visit our website at www.luckystarartcamp.com or find us on Instagram at Lucky Star Art Camp.